Hey, missionaries. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Uh, funny thing happened on the way to recording this show. 16 minutes in, my mic stopped recording. So we had to kind of Frankenstein this together with our feed from StreamYard. And then we picked back up with both microphones for the full review. So sound quality is going to bounce in and out a little bit, but... I think you'll still be able to enjoy the show. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? I'll let your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Petrible. And as we continue our journey into Octavia April, April is for Afrofuturism, tonight we are going to spend some time with the indie darling from 2018, Fast Color with the wonderful, wonderful Lorraine Toussaint, Gugu Mabata-Ra, and an excellent turn by Sanaya Sidney, mm-hmm. who's a young actress who is able to hold her own with Gugu Mabata-Ra and Lorraine Toussaint. But before we get to that, Mr. Webb, do we have some business to attend to? Well, we do have some business that we need to attend to, Vince. First and foremost, let's say... Hello to all of the missionaries out there watching us on uh, Facebook as well as on our YouTube channel. How are each and every one of you? What's going on, folks? Robert Monroe Jr., Aaron Fry, Bree Bree 517. Yes, uh, who says that Len is shining with that Bat Tribble t-shirt. I like it. Thank you very much. This is actually a shirt um, that I gifted all of the black tribbles with a matching sweatshirt as we were triumphant well it appears to be we'll see what guinness book says in Mm. our attempt to set the guinness book world record for the longest live podcast just this past weekend excellent excellent and congratulations Thank you very much, Vince. It was indeed a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. Um, and you were actually, you know, you weren't able to, to stay for the festivities, but you were a part of it. Uh, popped Khalil in, popped out. Popped in, popped out with four humongous chocolate cakes <laughs> for the great chocolate uh, cake race um, that it did our two combatants under, Vince. They weren't able, I think they cleared a corner of the cake and then uh, they tapped out, but one tapped out after the other. So there was a, a certifiable winner. But um, yeah, Cam- Camille's Confections uh, was the true winner. All right. The great chocolate cake. All race. right. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, and, you know, and thank you, Robert Monroe and everyone out there in the chats who are uh, sending you congratulations my way well the way of the tribbles um hey we got something else to celebrate there was a verdict in the <sighs> in the uh george floyd uh murder trial and officer Derek chauvin is, is his name yes right? yes Derek actually Chau- 
and actually X officer. X, that's correct. X officer. Uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts, second degree murder, first degree murder, I mean, third degree murder, as well as, I believe, uh, manslaughter. First degree yeah, manslaughter. Murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, yes, he was. And, and we are all happy that a man who f- was filmed murdering another man for almost 10 minutes, we all held our breath, but mm-hmm. he was found guilty. You, you know, you're, you're right. And you, you had mentioned before we turned on the cameras that, you know, the, the nation had <laughs> let out. A- <laughs> I mentioned a lot of things before the cameras. <laughs> no, I understand. I, understand. All right, e- I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that to you, bro. You just, you just co-produced my next po- podcast. I ain't going to do that to you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you mentioned like how the nation and, and really, in fact, the world um, had let out a collective sigh of relief uh, in regards to this verdict. And that's very true, because the one thing I noticed that if you if you are watching this in real time, there were cameras almost in every city in the country, but certainly locked down in, you know, where the trial was being held as people were standing in the streets waiting to hear the verse yes right yes and and you could you could tell that people were just standing they were they were ready they were ready unfortunately and they're and they're ready they were ready for the letdown which has mm-hmm. always come and because of that the letdown would have enacted our muscle memory of exactly how to react right right Right. We were we were we were we were ready. We knew what to do. We came with whatever we came with. I ain't gonna say whatever, but we came, we was ready, we had we eyed which which directions we were gonna do. There were detailed plans. We were ready because we've been here before. We've seen this movie before. And when the verdict came and it was guilty, there was a huge sigh of relief. And it seemed to me that there were indeed some people, as many people as very joyous, overwhelmed with emotions. There were some people that were just, what do we do? Don't know how to, there's no muscle memory for this. You're not not ready for this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, look, I don't think anyone would have been surprised if he was found innocent or 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 there was you know lesser charges or any mm-hmm. of the things that kind of happened because like you said we have been here before we right. have been here before and and i saw somebody you know one of the many many things that many many people have posted that the only thing that has really changed since rodney king is the quality of the video true very true so you know and the multiple angles of the video. And right, 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 right. So I'm glad he's found guilty. Uh, uh, but uh, like, I don't, I didn't see this as a sweeping endorsement for the American judicial system. Is I'm just glad he was found guilty. <laughs> I got you. I got you. And and I said, and I said, well, I yeah, well, I guess now we can just talk about the movie tonight. <laughs> like we <laughs> right. just, like we just talk about the movie. Yeah. Right. It's funny. So, it's funny. I actually got a text. I'm going to uh 
uh, I actually got a text from our social media um, director, Toya Haynes. What's she good, Toya? Me, she texted me, I honestly was very concerned about how you and Vince were going to do the, sh- the show tonight if the verdict had gone another way. I am so very glad. <laughs> well, we'd have had a show. Well, One way true. or another, it would have been a show. Very, very true. Very now, true. it may have been one of the episodes where we talk about the movie for five minutes, but you know. Right. Uh, and we'll be hearing some more from Toya in, in a little bit uh, later down the line here on the show. Before we go there, I just wanted to um, Vince, you as our resident true music nerd. I don't know if you took the time to notice. I certainly did. You know, whenever uh, you go onto the internet, is specifically mm-hmm. going to right. Google. They have like you know for the day they'll have like a highlight of somebody some famous moment in time or a famous person from history and today they highlight highlighted that today April twentieth would have been the seventieth birthday of yeah the late Luther Vandross yeah which it's it it's real like even if he was still alive he would have still have been pretty young mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you forget how young Luther was when he died, and and just really one of the real cornerstones of of soul music in in the last thirty forty years. I'm saying thirty years because in my mind it's always the year two thousand. Me too. But, <laughs> but like you me. know, it really is like the last fifty years. Just one of the real foundational elements mm-hmm. of of soul music and black music and <laughs> the thing i always say about luther is luther is one of those artists that they never stop playing right and you never get tired of it like like if a house is not home comes on right now or superstar comes on right now and you listen to it from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. and then they start it all over again mm-hmm. you just keep listening to it. I, I was talking when we were talking about um, the Bustin' Loose soundtrack. Right. And then I was talking about my favorite Luther song, you know, You Stop Loving Me, where just mm-hmm. the just the heartbreak in it. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a shame that he's gone, but it, it's much like I think about with Aretha Franklin. In a lot of ways, it feels abstract to me that he's gone. Because there's never been one day that Luther hasn't been around, quote unquote, on the radio. But, you know, happy birthday to that brother in heaven. Amen. I was in in just looking up, you know, it makes you look up, you know, appreciate uh, someone all over again when you see them on like that Google stamp and everything like that. And and especially because they were playing my favorite Luther song on that little tribute to him. And it's probably in the top 10 of my favorite songs of all time, never too much. I can, mm-hmm. I can like, I will stop. The world stops whenever I hear that song and I immediately just have to sing it all the way through. Um, but in looking up, uh, I know how much you think of the music magazine, Rolling Stone. Mm. And <laughs> it actually, yeah. I was looking yeah. at this, in Rolling yeah. Stone in 2008, which was, I believe, three years after Luther pa- passed away, because I believe he passed away in 2008. <clears throat> mm-hmm. In 2008, Luther Vandross was ranked by Rolling Stone magazine number 54. See, right there. 
<laughs> Number. I know fifth. you're teasing me, but you look, man. Middle aged white guys making music lists. <laughs> Number fifty four in their list of the one hundred greatest singers of all time. Right. So, I defy so, so they, you so to they name. Said there are fifty three people that they said sing better than Luther. Yeah, that's that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's not happening. Uh huh. We should probably keep this conversation moving. Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Fifty three people. Fifty three mm-hmm. people. Yeah. That sing better than Luther. Yep. That's your magazine, Vince. Rolling Stone. Just want to let e- you know. I, I don't even know why I do this to my. Do you actually have the list in front of you? I don't have the list. I didn't go that far, Vince. I wasn't going to do that to you. 53 people have gotten on a microphone. I wasn't going to do that to you. And sang better than Luther Vandross. 53. 53 people. They have 53 people who they say sang better than Luther Vandross. (laughs) Uh, but now you want yeah, to go there. Let, no, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, All right. Len. All right, let's good. Keep... I'm closing it out. I'm not going there. Go. Close it out. Close. Just, just close it out. So they could pick a singer every week. <laughs> they got they could pick a singer. Right. They could pick a singer every week. <laughs> every week for a year. And Luther wouldn't be in the first year. That's what you're telling me. That that's what Rolling Stone said. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. All right. Fifty-three. Mm. He's number fifty-four, right. huh? <laughs> I smell a trailer talk coming. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Go All ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We got emails, Vince. All right. Let's go. Let's go to our emails. Yes. Support Black Podcast. Don't call it a podcast. This is just shit you gotta hear. Serious rap shit, that is. Covering all things in and around hip-hop culture. It's the Serious Rap Shit Podcast. With your hosts, John Morrison and Josh Leedy. Get everything that's going down in the world of hip-hop, including the daily fuckery that's going on in the life of your host. And believe me, fuckery is what it is. Serious Rap Shit Podcast. Find it on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and any place and every place that you find good hip-hop. And remember, support Black Podcasts. We got a comment from Fatima in regards to our review last week of Born in Flames. Um, hey, Fatima. Um, but not specifically about Born in Flames. It was more about Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> and Fatima says, I was like Vincent. I watched Godzilla versus Kong after a couple of glasses of wine. I missed the last hour. Um <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
she also uh, she also says that I will pass on the Amazon series Them, no trauma porn allowed. L.A. Times and Vulture had strong anti-series reviews. I laughed when you mentioned Tom Hanks looking for the next white male heroic story circa nineteenth nineteenth or twentieth century. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know it's right though. Like you know. What's the last one that just came? Like, they just had a mini-series or something about these brave white men doing World War II that did brave white men stuff and then came home and propped up segregation for 30 years. <laughs> Greatest generation, baby. In, in his defense, Tom Hanks did, did not have anything to do with that, that movie, though. Then they had some kids, and some of them kids grew up and became writers at Rolling Stone magazine and said that Luther Vandross was the 54th greatest singer of all time. We also heard from Mo Poplar. What's up, Mo? Have a talk uh, to Mo in a minute. Uh, regarding colorism in films, it kind of goes both ways. Yes, there is a tendency to cast light-skinned people as upwardly mobile, empowered Black folk, but also to cast dark-skinned people as the put-upon and burdened. I walked out of the help. Um, yes, are we reviewing the help? Really annoyed that they cast this story with all dark-skinned folks in the South, because despite segregation, there are a ton of light-skinned Black folks in the historical South. From what I've read and people I know, com- complexion could have granted you some pr- privilege, but there's been a rainbow of women doing domestic work. Angela Davis, notorious not just for her Afro, but also her fair complexion, was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and missed church on Sunday when her four friends died in a famous bombing. Her mother wasn't a, wasn't a domestic, but people who look like her show up in this much. Y'all should compile a list of films that speak to this while we're on the journey. He says, we should compile a list of film while we're on the journey. Well, if we're on the journey, why don't you compile a list? Anyway, a space for... <laughs> I'm sorry. I only put that out there because the most popular is I do, and I can say that to him. A space for trauma- traumatic stories regarding Black trauma porn. I feel like Black history in America is like the Bible. There are so many ways to read what happened. Eddie Murphy's movie, Life, explores mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. But it's a comedy. Lovecraft Country might be the first exploration into the death of Emmett Till, and it's science fiction. It's a curious thing to document and remember where we came from, but have to dress it up and make it slight. A little cube of sugar makes the medicine go down. Do we have to Django everything? That said, Mm. I too haven't seen them or when they see us, but I'm going to blame the pandemic and mm. i conquered Kayvon stage is awesome if he makes a movie y'all should talk about him mo thanks marie thank you very much the only thing that i would say in regards the only thing that really stands out to me in what he wrote is that i don't see when when they see us as trauma porn uh, I see it as a that I see more as a documentation of something that a moment in time, a mm-hmm. a specific um, story, uh, and 
having watched it, I don't think it is done in the way that could, I don't think that is done in a way that can, that sensationalizes the story in any way so that it can be perceived as trauma porn. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Yeah, you know, I think it's subjective. You know, I think I, I agree with you about when they see it, but I certainly understand people who don't want to engage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I just, I just don't want to engage to protect my own mental health and my own... Look, man, <laughs> I'm going through an issue right now where Adam is going through a finding... Like, he's a Finding Nemo, Finding Dory dude. Mm-hmm. Like, like, those are his part of his jams. And, and like, I can't really do them because I can't do Lost Kids. Oh, okay. So, like, my really? baseline... Yeah, exactly. Well, like I my baseline, I... my baseline is I can't do lost kids. So if I can't do Finding Nemo or that damn Finding Dory, then you know I can't do when they see us. Like, like, True. like, like, like kids. So it, I, I just think it's subjective, and and I do think that ultimately everyone has to decide what it is that they can engage with mm-hmm. to protect themselves. And and in a lot of ways, Maurice kind of said it, where he said he hasn't watched them and he hasn't watched, and I forgot the other example that he, he uh, was talking about. Well, he said he hadn't he had watched them and he hadn't watched When They See It. Right, but he said it's because of the pandemic. And, and look, we are all of us, I, I was just talking about this the other day, we are all going through this generational, or this, you know, hopefully once in a generation traumatic moment. Mm-hmm. Like whenever this is quote unquote over, we probably all need therapy. And then when you yeah. put black on top of it, like as black people, I'm a firm believer we all need therapy anyway. Like just black. generalized black people therapy. And then we're we're dealing with the pandemic and everything. So I have no problem with people saying I'm I'm just not doing that right now. Like I got enough going on right now. Uh Bree Bree <laughs> five seventeen says, Lost kids I get, but they're fish. <clears throat> I know they're fish. Um <laughs> She just saying, oh, oh, go. Uh, and RM on YouTube says that this was unfolded. It didn't revel in the violence. It's also telling that the only one episode of them was directed by a black person. Interesting. That's real. It's real. Um, and at the risk of triggering you, Fatima had to pull up the list. <laughs> Of the 54. I just want to know who's 53. Who's 53? Just tell me who's 53, and we can all move on with our lives. Okay. Uh, She has not put in that. She's put down quite a number. So Fatima is is watching. I'll wait for her to... to, Now, Vince, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you who number one is, okay? Number one is Aretha Franklin. I was about to say, it's probably Aretha. Again, are we on? The, are we still on the radio? Like, like when are we on the radio? We're not. We're not on the radio anymore. 
look, baby boomer shit is baby. Like I know them damn. Like they love Aretha. <laughs> That's true. They do love Aretha. That doesn't surprise me at all that they have Aretha at number one. Number 53, Vince, is Muddy Waters. How is Muddy Waters a better singer than Luther Vandross? (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. Don't get... Oh, my God. Now, wait a minute, Vince. Just for the sake of argument, for the sake of argument, and you're the music guy, so I'll kneel before your uh, decision. No, no, no. You just, you just messed. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Wind me up. No, go ahead. Wind I don't. Ahead, I don't. Go. I don't. I don't think that there's any way that you can say that Money Waters was a better singer than Luther Vandross. But is there an argument to be made that Muddy Waters and his career was more influential than Luther Vandross? What does influential mean? I don't know. Like, what, asking. Like, 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 no, 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 no. Again, again, and now I'm back to this whole baby, but this white baby boomer view of black music. Let's just call it what it is. They don't listen to Luther, so right. therefore they don't value Luther. Right. They listen to Muddy Waters. They listen to you. You know, it's like it's like they start with the um with the Big Chill soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And, and then they kind of go from there. And, you know, they talk about Motown and they, they talk about the blues dudes that Led Zeppelin and all of them stole from. So they throw them blues dudes on there. But just straight, unapologetic Black music. Something like Rolling Stone does not evaluate as highly. And no matter how they dress it up, the bottom line is they're not going to talk about the OJs. They're not going to talk about Mays featuring Frankie Beverly. They're not going to talk about Luther. But they don't listen to it. Okay. But they had Ray Charles as number two. Again. I know. Again. I know. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm a 60-year-old white dude who worked at the college radio station when I went to Syracuse and then I got a job at some little, at some, at some paper. And then I became a staff writer in the Rolling Stones. Like, I know this dude. All right, Vince. All right, though. Well, I won't tell you who's number four. I'm just going to go on to the next email. Okay. All right, who's number four? Who's number four? Go ahead. Just tell me. Who's number four? Just tell me. Because you know I'm going to have to rage look this up later. Like, I'm going to sit here angry looking at it by myself. Elvis Presley. For Christ's sake. And see, and that's that. See, because they really wanted to put him at one. But they really couldn't put him at Patina gave us some hot. She gave us a couple of hot takes. Um, uh, uh, Paul McCartney is at number eleven. Mick real hot for Paul McCartney. Mick Jagger is number sixteen. Oh my God, Mick Jagger ain't never been able to sing. Bruce Springsteen is number thirty-six. Oh. Excuse me. Uh, there's a correction. There's a correction. Uh, Fatima is giving the, giving me a correction. So Aretha Franklin's number one. Ray Charles is number two. Elvis Presley is number three. 
Sam Cooke is number four, and John Lennon is number five. So John Lennon is higher than Paul McCartney. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Even that, even that, the cool white music dude thought that John Lennon was better than Paul McCartney because they thought that the compositions were more complicated. Right. And that Paul McCartney was just popular. I'm telling you, they're, they're, they're like a stereotype. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not even going to touch Elvis Presley being a better singer than Sam Cooke. We can just keep going. All right. Thank you, Fatima. This was lovely. Luther Vandross is 54. That that is that is egregious. I I will agree. There's an argument to be made whether or not he's top ten or not, but he damn sure is not all the way down to fifty four. So. And this is singer, like singer, singer. This thing, singer. singer. Right, right. Because they're they're taking out like groups. Otherwise, the Beatles would be no, no, but, but singer, singer. It's what well, says so, singer. So so these people are telling me that Bruce Springsteen is a better singer than Luther Vandross. He's not a better singer than Luther Vandross. He's not. I mean, I thought that's what the conversation was. He's not. I, I was. I will say, though, just from my own point of view, and, and I do like Luther Vandross. I do. I like him, uh, I like him a lot. Uh, but I'm trying to think. There are some Bruce Springsteen songs that kind of like, they do get me, you know? They get me in a in a way that I very few Luther Vandross songs get me. Like I like Luther Vandross, and I can recognize his professionalism and his mastery of sound and and putting together lyrics and and all that type of stuff. And he and, can take a, uh, somebody else's and, song and make it his own. And singing, like we're and singing. About singing, right? We just talk about singing, right? I I, I yes, I well, but I think I. <laughs> I feel like Alan Robinson over here all of a sudden. We're talking about singing. <laughs> like, we're talking about singing. Not the song. That's why I we didn't say songwriting. We didn't <laughs> say not performance. We didn't say influence. We ain't talking, talking about, about We ain't talking about the song. We ain't talking about the album. We talking about right. singing, man. You told me to list, list the best singers. Like if you said you know songwriters, then I said, "Oh, okay. Well, now that's a different conversation." But you told me it was singer. Well, it says singer, but I I, I have to imagine they're taking all everything into consideration. But I don't, I don't, I don't, my daughter's now my daughter's now gotten into it. She wants to know where Whitney Houston was. (laughs) Oh God. God, people have run up the stairs into Vince's studio and asking him. They've got like a laundry list. Well, where's Whitney Houston? Where's Mariah Carey? Where's right. Michael Jackson? Right. Where's right. Prince? Right. <laughs> right, we're talking about singers. Here's the shame. Here's the shame of it was that you know when I saw that Luther, you know, it was his birthday and stuff, right? I was I just had a conversation with somebody, and I think it actually bit, may have been Toya. I can't remember. Um, thinking about we were talking about how. You know, uh, Prince, you know, was no longer with us and uh, Michael Jackson was no longer with us. And we started thinking about like what type of verses, you know, because verses is the new thing right now. You know, what type of verses those two might have against one another. So when I saw Luther, my mind instantly clicked. Who would Luther go up against in verses? And your daughter just said who it would be. It would be Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, yeah. Yeah. And, And you know, 
Because we talk about singing. That's what you told me. You told me this was a conversation about singing. Like, to be clear, I think there is a mark. There's a moment. Lisa does that 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and she kind of pivots into pop. A little poppy, yeah. Like, yeah. we talked, speaking of Whitney Houston, it's like that post-Whitney Houston moment that mm-hmm. he pivots into. And, and I'm not that big of a fan of that material. But he still is Luther. Like, when Luther is here and now, or, you know, I don't know, one of the other songs that sound like it's for a shampoo commercial. Like, he's still Luther. (laughs) When he get all jingly, when he starts singing jingles. Look, I always say, look, make that Michael Jackson money. Like, make some of that money. Make some of that Whitney Houston money. I wasn't mad at him. I ain't mad at me. Uh, Fatima says that uh, Whitney Houston was 34. She's at number 34. Whitney Houston is 34. And Prince is at number 30. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep <laughs> We're like 30 minutes into it. We're about to do, derail the whole show. Yeah, just... Yeah, we, still got, we still got one more email to read. <laughs> Prince is at 30. Prince is at 30, huh? Prince is at 30. Prince is at 30. 30. 29 people. Mm. Sing better than Prince. Okay. Uh, we got another. Sing better than Whitney Houston. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. One of those people. We have a new. Is- <laughs> All right. A little less conversation. A little less conversation. A little more action. Go ahead. We also got an email from Nettie Smith. <laughs> hey, what's up, Nettie? In regards to our review of Pariah. Oh, okay. okay. Today I listened to your episode on Pariah, and I just wanted to give you guys some notes, mainly on pronunciation. The, uh-huh. na- the name of the director is actually D. Reese, like Reese Witherspoon. It's mentioned in a few okay. interviews. If you look on, on YouTube, you can hear the, the pronunciation. And the actress is Asha Davis, uh, you guys were saying Asha, but it is actually Asha, which rhymes with Sasha. Uh, okay. Our podcast um, is is about one of Asha's former TV shows, South of Nowhere. So we've interviewed her. We've reviewed Pariah as well. She's an amazing actress, and I wanted to get her get her props, especially when people aren't familiar with her work and name. So I just wanted to give you guys a pointer on the pronunciation. By the way, she has a relatively new movie she stars in called The Long Shadow, her first starring role that it is currently on Showtime. Also, it would help in the future if you guys take out some of the pauses. There were times where one of you guys had trouble articulating how you felt about the movie and would make pretty long pauses. I thought my headphone went out. The podcast had gotten cut off. If you cut out those pauses or cut those pauses in half next time, I'd appreciate it. Well, thank you, Nettie. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have another piece of business that we have to can- <laughs> handle today. May is just around the corner, as you all know, and you know what that means. It's time for another Mother May I have another one of those Black Movie Months on the Michelle Mission. 
Um, this is when Vince and I deliberately watch bad movies during the month of May. Yes, this was Len's idea. Well, this year, you will get to select which will be the final film of May that we will be reviewing on the Michaud Mission and the final film we will actually be having our first May I Have Another One of Those Bad Black Movies watch parties. We're actually going to schedule a time and sit down and do a watch party with the film of your choice and after that, do our review of the film. And we've given you three choices that our social media director, Toya, chose. We had nothing to do with the choices. Terrible. So the three movies that you get to choose from are Medea Goes to Jail, Norbit, or White Chicks. All right. So make your vote. If you go over to our Instagram page, you'll see the the posts there. You can make your vote known. Uh, We've got more than a few uh, votes in already. Uh, Your brother... I feel like my brother at this point, too. Damon, Damon Williams says, of the three movies, White Chicks is the one I'd least like to watch. So White Chicks gets my vote. Better you guys than me. There you go. Well, that is the nature of Mother May I. We watch it so you don't have to. Uh, The comedian Daryl Charles, he votes for Medea. Medea got to get my vote uh, because our Tyler Perry reviews are epic. Uh, you, you saw Dorian Missick protested. Yes, Dorian Missick. I was saving that. Dorian Missick uh, said that Medea is a no-brainer, but I reject Norbit being on the list. That movie is underrated, and y'all ain't about to talk bad about Eddie Murphy. You know, that's like the third time I've heard him talk about Norbit. I know, right? Like, we've been with him, and he's you know, talking, 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 and then he'll say something about Norbit, and then I'll go, huh, all right. Let's put a pin in that. Yet, every time we say, okay, what's the next film you want to review, Dorian? He never selects Norbit. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's hilarious that he has this affection for Norbit. The thing is, it is indeed affection. He has affection. Yeah, yeah, genuine affection. Yeah. Uh, RM on YouTube, who I think may be Robert Monroe, I'm not sure, says... uh, (laughs) What did y'all do to Toya? Who hurt her? This was her choices. We I know. We, we had nothing to do we, I know. with her choices. And George George Kimona says, wait, <laughs> we have to watch these two? Yes. Yes, we're holding a watch party. So yeah, you better come, George Kimona. Matter of fact, we may come to your house and hold the, the watch party there, George. There you go. So uh, it's to be a fun time. Deuce Brown says that white chicks is a guilty pleasure, so don't play with me. Our Facebook group so far has white chicks in the lead. Uh, This was uh, according to four days ago. However, um, on Instagram, I think Medea Goes to Jail is in there. Melissa Gumps, all the way from the Netherlands, says Medea Goes to Jail gets my vote. I'm looking for a new rant cut. You got a a good rant here earlier today, Melissa. I'll tell you that right now. We got a good rant earlier today. 54, Uh, huh? Luther's at 54. <laughs> Toya said I just had to come on here and see all of this violence. <laughs> That's terrible, Toya. Choose peace. 
<laughs> oh man, just continue voting, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, whichever yeah. film comes out on top, that is the film that we are going to be watching in a watch party the last week in May. Yeah, uh, of part of Mother May I. So I promise it's be a very good time. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We are way overdue. It is time for us to get into our review of tonight's film, Vince, Fast Color. All right. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. gonna die I can feel it coming and I think about Ruth how does she survive out there on her own as broken as she is Does she have? Yes, but not like yours. Our abilities can't fix things. If something's broken, it stays broken. That is different. She can see the colors. What do they look like? I've never seen them. It's like an echo. Moving over everything fast like a race. It's gotten harder for us to stay in hiding. I know. There's not much time. You cannot be putting her in danger again. I'm not leaving. Woman can affect the energy of the earth. We can help you. There are tests we can run. A new world is coming. I'm not scared anymore. Color, a 2018 drama sci-fi thriller. After years in hiding, a woman is forced to go on the run when her superhuman abilities are discovered. Years after having abandoned her family, the only place she has left to hide is home. Directed by Julia Hart, written by Julia Hart and Jordan Horowitz, Fast Color stars Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Lorraine Toussaint, David Strayhorn, Sanaya Sidney, and was the choice of Lynn Webb here as we continue through Octavia April. April is for Afrofuturism. Lynn, what do you have to say about Fast Color? 
for all of those people who are hungry, not only for the representation of women in some of these genre fiction that speaks more to the superpowered, uh, i.e. superhero films, and for all of those who are hungry for the better representation of black people in these these range of films as well. I invite you all to sit down and watch Julia Hart's Fast Color because the one the f- first thing and first and foremost in this movie is that this is a movie it's I've seen people call it like a superhero film because we're talking about superpowered beings and it is we are talking about beings with superhuman abilities but first and foremost what we are talking about is we are talking about to me anyway is we're talking about generational legacy because this film is at its heart about the relationships between three women in this film and i'm going to give them all the honorific of being women because they are women they just are at different stages in their in their lives. Uh, you have Google and Batha Raw, who plays our our lead character Ruth, who is super powered, but it is stifled by some early trauma in her life that also plays a part in leading her down the road of drug addiction. Right. And has her leaving her home, trying to reconcile with a lot of. With not only what has happened to her, but also the choices that she made in the wake of what has happened to her and leaving her mother, played by Lorraine Toussaint, her mother, Bo. At home. With her daughter, Ruth's daughter. Um, and I just drew a blank on the, I know Sanaya Sidney is the actress and the character's name is actually, wait for it, Lila. That's right, Lila. Leaving her with, with Lila. In this film that is set in the near future where it has not rained for eight years in, and I, I, I think they just say like in the American Midwest, but I'm not sure it may be actually be across America. It has not rained for eight years. Um, that's a little bit ambiguous to me. And it's a, a, a point of the film, but not an overarching, you know, thing that you need to know. It's just something to keep in the back of your head. It hasn't rained for eight years. Water is a premium here. Water is straight, strictly rationed in this town that Ruth is coming back to because she's trying, she wants to uh, reconcile with uh, her life. She kind of like, she wants to take, take that next step. She's gotten sober and now she wants to take the next, the, the next step, which is reclaiming her life with her mother and with her daughter. Um, e- even though she is plagued with, these horrible seizures that bring on because of her superhuman abilities that bring on these traumatic and, and 
uh, <clears throat> devastating earthquakes wherever she is. Um, that is the the overall quick plot of the story. There's a you know the government is chasing her because they found out about her powers and they want to they want to do tests on her and that part of the story is straight out of the comic books, straight out of science fiction 101 in a lot of films. Um, but it too, as germane as it is to the plot, is very much you know just a a afterthought because the the bulk of this film is smartly and meditatively about the relationship between these three women and them reconciling with one another um and in taking that taking that direction taking that focal point and making it the highlight of this film Julia Hart and the writer Jordan Horowitz, who is also her husband, have crafted together a very heartfelt, sincere, dramatic, funny slice of life from a comic book. How many times, Vincent, me and you are two comic book guys, how many times have we, you know, champion like the super great battle that Superman had or, or the Avengers went off fighting uh, Thanos and it's like woohoo but our favorite comics are the ones that take place in between the battles it's just t- having time to sit down with the characters and just learn more about them and I think that that is very true about this film as well this is one of those moments which you are just sitting down and listening to these people reveal themselves about one another. You're listening to Ruth reveal about how the trauma that she not only felt from losing her powers, but the trauma from a very, very devastating um, moment in time when she is with her baby that haunted her so much that it 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 proves to be the cause of a lot of her issues without trying to give it away so much. Um, you hear her mother Bo detail the history of their family. There's a there's a, a scrapbook where the women in her family have generationally noted the powers that have uh been uh, uh uh handed down from one generation to another um which just speaks of i i think also just speaks of the you know it's kind of like the the lineage of black women and the power of black women um that is always on display that black women are have always been aware of, but for one reason or another, and their reason scared of people taking advantage of them, they hide away. They keep, they keep to themselves. And that is, you know, long been the story of, of black women throughout, throughout time. And I think it is while Every once in a while, it, black women do get caped up. I think it is only probably within the ten, last 
10, 15, maybe 20 years that black women's cape has really been allowed to shine and has been put on the, the, the flag and the pedestal that it has deserved to be. And I think this is uh, another movie that relishes in, in that moment when it was released out in 2018. Um, it's a movie that I think it's fair to say that Lila played by Sanaya Sidney is the smartest person in the film. And yet she's not precocious. She's not annoying in any way. She is, she is deeply intelligent and you can see where the courage that she has, because she is a person who realizes where they are, realizes why we keep our powers on tuck, but is also questioning, but why? Because she's from that generation of, why do I have to keep my questions, my powers mm-hmm. on tuck? Why? Especially when I'm looking in a world where um, it hasn't rained for eight years, there is a valid question about what is going on in the world. Could I maybe do something to help this? Am I, am I not feel, do I not have some responsibility to tra- maybe try and th- to affect some type of change? If nothing else, I just want to see the world. I want to step out of these rooms. I want to step, you know, further, further than the front yard. Um, and her doing that was something that you learn every generation is fought. Bo, her grandmother fought fought through that and had it beaten out of her by by her mom. Ruth, her mother fought that same thing and then uh, to the point where she ran off to devastating results. And now Lila, here she is reconciling with that and wants to do it but do it smarter. To do it in in her way. And everyone has to reckon these three women have to you know deal with where each other are at their this place in their life um and i think it's just a beautiful exploration of that relationship are there trappings in here that you know like i say it's a um it's a they call it a superhero story i it's not if anything it's a superhero it's a it's an origin story I don't know if it's an origin story of a superhero or it or if it, it's the old TV series Heroes Done Right. If it's mm-hmm. uh, if it's a M. Night Shyamalan, you know, universe of superheroes done right. You know, um, maybe it, it it probably uh, shares more DNA with those type of films than with, you know, your Avengers or supermans or anything things of that nature um but either way you slice it and and it's got the trappings like it's got the government it's got the 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 um the one p- person who's loyal to them the played by david straithorn uh, as the sheriff who proves to have more of a p- personal connection to them than you're let on um in the beginning um it has it's kind of like uh uh, um, you know, hint for the possible sequel right at the very end of the film. You know, drops a little note about where this this film and this story may go. So, does it have those some of those trappings? Yes, it does, and it does them fairly well. Um, but 
overall, first and foremost, it's just a story about uh, these three women. And it's a, it's a masterful uh, story. And it's an independent film. It's a lower budget film. But I'm going to say it has some of the most amazing is not the right word. Some of the most realistic special effects that I have seen in the film. There is a moment in this film where Bo, played by Lorraine Toussaint, because her power is to be able to, you know, take things apart and then put them back together. And there's a moment in this film where she takes apart the cigarette that she's smoking and then puts the cigarette back together. And the way that it is completely shot, you couldn't tell me that this wasn't the work of the people who worked on Endgame or Infinity War because it was so well done. And for such a small moment, it was, it did not, and for such a visually stimulating moment, a uh, visual effect, it did not steal away from the, from the moment at, not, at all. It didn't take you out of the scene at all. It fit. It fit perfectly. It was just uh, like spot on. And there are other moments in this film when they, uh, they use their powers and see the colors and they speak about seeing the colors. It's like the after effect of, of using their powers and you don't see it until you don't see the colors yourself until a particular moment in the film. And when you see it, it almost has like a very supernatural feel to you. Um, that, they get over it. it, it they pull it off because it, it easily could have mm -hmm. been like some very cheesy effects, but they pull it off. Um, and, and, and it works. This film is, is to take advantage of the, the starkness and to make you feel the dryness of there being no, no water for years. It's filmed in the flatlands and it's a beautiful film. I mean, this film takes advantage of its wide screen. Um, there are some, lovely moments where the three actresses are on screen at one time. There's a really cool moment that I, I read that they were thinking about cutting from the film, but they didn't. When the day after a fight, they all arrive in the kitchen and they mm -hmm. just go about their business in the kitchen silently. And God is like, it's so, it's so very true. And they're like, that's what happens because life goes on. Yeah, I'm pissed at you, but we still got this kitchen doing whatever. And it's just silent. It's wordless. And it, it is, it's perfect. Just a great moment in this film filled with so many moments, so many phenomenal act actors. Uh, Chris Denham is, is good. David Strathairn is good. But yo, Google and Botha Raw, who never, ever disappoints. I have mm -hmm. yet to see a, a a film with her where she is or anything where she disappoints. She always knocks it out the box. Lorraine Toussaint, we could go mm. I could go on about Lorraine Toussaint forever. Like she is just a beast. And Sanaya Sydney, there's nothing but greatness ahead for this young actress who I read in another interview who said her her biggest wish is to become what Viola Davis is. And she is on her way. This young woman has 
has presence. She has poise. She has she has talent. She has charisma. She's got it all, and she stands toe to toe with these two titans and doesn't flinch. And they make it's perfect synchronicity. They're talking about doing this film and it's going to go forward as possibly a series and they can only hope to lock down all three of them for the series um, because whoever is challenged to follow in either their wake has got some huge shoes to step in. Uh, this was just great. I turn it over to you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think everything you just said, I can sum it up. In a lot of ways, this film is like you ever eat crab imperial have you ever mm-hmm. had crab imperial and it's crab but then it's like cheese and cream and it's all this stuff and i always say you don't need all that stuff right like you just need the crab they could have stopped the crab and i know we're doing this for for afrofuturism and it's Oct- octavia april i didn't need the science fiction I didn't need the superpowers. I didn't need the, it hasn't rained for, for eight years. And, and I think the, the world building is, is pretty well done. Much like you, I think they did a, a, a good job with the world building. I, I, I love the conceit of, of the water bottles mm-hmm. with the markings that are half full and everything that go, much like you, I thought the special effects were very smartly used. Like you could tell, as you said, this is an indie film, so the budget is only so big. Right. But when they decided to spend some money on some special effects, they did it well. But part of the reason the world building and everything works so well is the caliber of actor in this. Right. This, you know, this movie is an hour and 47 minutes. For almost a half hour, it's just Gugu Mbatha Raw by herself mm-hmm. on the run. And we've seen this before. We, we talked about this with something like the, the, the world, the devil in the flesh, where, where Harry Belafonte is by himself for a long time. And, and we'll revisit this same subject next week with Zias for Zachariah, where acting by yourself is not easy. Right. But Mbatha Raw is so good. She's so good, even when she's not talking. And much like you, Lorraine Toussaint is just the absolute best. Yeah. Like just the absolute best. The, the scene that you're talking about with the cigarette, this is how much I love Lorraine Toussaint. One, speaking, we've been talking about music all episode. One of my very, very spe- specific sort of annoyances with films over the past 10 years mm-hmm. is there's a music cue where these films will play some Nina Simone to let you know this is important. Right. Like we're, we're like we're now dealing with something important because we're playing Nina Simone. Right. Right. And it's very rarely earned. Right. But there's a moment in this film where where Lorraine Toussaint's character, um, Bo, Bo goes to put a record on the record player. And I actually said, oh, that better be some Nina Simone. Right. Because it was earned. Lorraine Toussaint sitting listening to nina simone smoking a cigarette i could have watched that for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. 
Like just 10 minutes of Lorraine Toussaint smoking a cigarette, listening to Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. And then when Gugu and Batha Raw comes and you have both of these great actresses bouncing off of each other. And then, as you said, Sanai Sidney, who is this extraordinary young actress. I could have just watched the three of them. Yeah. Just just communicate, just bounce off of each other, just act, if you will. And and it really is frankly a testament to the performances that as you said elevates a story it, it it really is a lot of it is 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 sort of science fiction boilerplate right says some superpowers it's a government agent they're chasing after them they got to deal with it but because of the caliber of acting it elevates the whole situation and worth noting we we, and we're talking about this month the power of representation this Mm -hmm. is a story that is never told that centers black women right and i think even that separates it from from another film that frankly could have had another group of people in these three roles Mm -hmm. i have to say as i was watching it and 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 reading about the film, it looks like um, it, it looks like um, Google and Batha Raw was cast first. Yep. And then everyone else sort of fell into it. And I do wonder, was this script written with black women in mind? I, I got a funny feeling it was. I got a funny Like they said, I read that story too because uh, Julia Hart mentions that she saw uh and raw in beyond the lights which is better than it has any right to be and right right sent the script to her and Mbatha raw like signed on the very next day so right i got right. a funny feeling from there she and, and she then says that lorraine toussaint was her first choice so okay all right well Excellent, because I do, and, and we talked a little bit about this um, before the show. I do have to say the end kind of made me go, huh, where not to give it away, but basically Lorraine Toussaint makes a deal mm-hmm. with the government, which which doesn't seem like something that is that realistic for a black woman her age to trust these men. Right. And kind of go along with them, especially as as many of us, just to keep it nerdy are in the midst of conversations about the character Isaiah Bradley mm-hmm. on Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and and just the relationship between black people and the government and black people in the medical field and black people and doctors, like all of it. But this, that, that is, that is, it's, it's not even a quibble. Like it's not even a quibble because as I said, the, in my mind, the, the strength of this film is the performances by these right. three powerhouse actresses. It yeah. really is. Uh, much like you, I also liked uh, Christopher Denham. I like mm-hmm. Christopher Denham. I like and I like Christopher Denham. But I think the the film very smartly keeps him in a supporting moment. Right. 
Right. You know, even when he's on screen with the other three actresses, mm-hmm. he very much is deferential to what's happening between these three women. And and it is. This is a great film. This is a great film that I almost wish didn't have the trappings of science fiction. I do too, but I I, I I'm still I'm still with it. I'm I'm down with it because, you know, as much as it's a great story about a film about three black women, um, you know, sometimes just like we've learned from Star Trek, sometimes you you've got to take these the story that you want to tell and put it in something that will maybe get people into the seats. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's what they're doing here. I One other thing that I liked about this film was that except for the one moment between uh, Mbatha Raw and Denim, which is necessary, there's no real violence on screen. You, you almost always see the violence afterwards. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. There's a moment where we follow in, in Batha Raw, Ruth, her character, to a very revelational moment in the film. And at the same time, there's some craziness going on. And the story takes a not often used um, or makes a not often uh, seen decision to stay 100% with Ruth and not cut to meanwhile what's going on back here so that when mm-hmm. Ruth then returns to this uh, returns back home we only see the aftermath right um I think one of it is smart because it's because of some of the 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 um protagonists who are involved you probably may not want to see that maybe you don't want to see that level entered into this film kind of maybe keep it on a more quote-unquote lighter realm but i also think it's smart because your mind now fills in the blanks because you definitely see the aftermath and you know they couldn't show anything as horrific as what your mind is seeing you know right so I think that's a smart choice. And to your point about Bo making the decision that she does, I think she makes the decision that she does because she also makes more importantly, more importantly, she makes another decision before that. And that decision is basically to hide no more. And she's forced to hide no more. And in hiding no more, she has to reveal not to herself because she knew this all along, but to the people that she loves that, you know, if I want to, oh, stuff can get handled, you know? Right. It's right, just a right. matter of, you know, I, I'm doing as I was taught as my, as my four foremothers taught me, but I can see that we are at this moment where that is not the way to go and trust Oh, I'm trained. There's a reason why I train y'all because I'm well-trained and I can handle some stuff. Um, and I thought that was spot on because, and I can't remember exactly where I read it. Uh, oh, wow. Interesting. I read it in an article that I sent you about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, from the mm-hmm. Hollywood Reporter and just talking about some of the choices that were made in that 
in that uh, series. And one of the lines from that article was saying that change is confrontational. And right. And, yeah. Then that is the tact that she's real. She that's what she comes to realize uh, at that moment. And quiet as a kept. It's a it's a lesson that is taught. By Lila, Lila, by Lila. That's right. By yeah. Lila, as the, like I said, the smartest person in here. And so yeah. Bo sees that. And that's why she's like basically like man up. And she's like, oh, don't worry about me. Yeah, I will talk to y'all. I will tell you what you want to know because you are not going to touch these two children. They're going to go do their thing. I'll tell you what you want to know. We can do whatever. This will be an equal partnership because trust, I will make sure that it is, you know? Okay. So, so I'll I, buy that. I, I dug it. I dug it, man. I'll buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy that. Like I said, it doesn't take much to convince me of that. <laughs> because it is. It's so good. It's so good. And and much like you, I I just love Lorraine Toussaint so much. Don't you though, man? Like I love her so much. Like I really just have an idea of of a show. It's like Viola Davis, Lorraine Toussaint and ingenue ellis and they just sit in a house and in in like have lunch <laughs> that's the whole show i hear that's you. the whole sh- that's the whole show they just have lunch and they talk and they act i because I, I, she I, is i i i be with you i'm with you yeah I'm with and, the, I, I, and, and that's a good one Wait a and, and minute. I would, to, I would, I would only say that, you know, they sit and have lunch, but then they realize, oh wait a minute, we've got a fourth chair, and then they call my girl CCH Pounder. Now we, now we're talking. Now, yeah, now we're talking. Maybe they'll play spades. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I would be a fly on the wall just sitting there watching them play spades. Just watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and much, you know, just to reiterate what, what you said and what we've said. The beauty of the, the silent moments in this film, mm-hmm. like there are these wonderful stretches where these actresses, in including um, Sanai, I just I, I, my screen just went blank. Sanaya Sydney, Sanaya Sydney, including Sanaya Sydney. Like there are moments when all three of these actresses are by themselves in scenes, mm-hmm. and then much like you said with with that wonderful breakfast scene. The three of them are together and and they work with silence. Mm-hmm. And it's so masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I also so, like that the film, as beautiful as, as, as it is, the direction is not showy. It's not showy no, at all. No, it's not. No, no it's but, not. But it is just spot on um perfect. It's uh but it's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Like there, mm-hmm. like like there, the the moments are very like like there are a, there are a couple of moments where where um where where Julia Hart has these reveals, you know where the you, you know the camera either pans left or pans right or or the shot widens and she grants you more information that right. are so well done, very understated. Mm-hmm but very deliberate 
Yeah. So so you, I, while it's not showy, it's also not a, a, a laissez-faire directing style either. Like yeah, this no. is a director. She very much knew what she was trying to achieve with yeah. each scene. Yeah. Well done. Very, very yeah. well done. Um, and if you haven't checked out Fast Cut, oh, well, I'll let you ask me. Yes, yes. So, Lynn, the, the question always is, would you recommend Fast Color? I would very much recommend Fast Color. Like, unequivocally. And I'll be cutting that out. Um, yes. yes. I, I would recommend uh, Fast Color. We actually hearing from the, a lot of people who recommend Fast Color. Michelle Davenport says it's just a beautiful movie. And all they, though they were superhuman, they were beautiful. They were so beautifully human. Beautiful take on relationships and founding power in brokenness. The aesthetics were amazing. How can dry, dirty land be so beautifully shot? Loved all three performances and loved the kitchen scene too. So yeah, everybody like right there with us. What about you, Vince? Would you recommend Fast Color? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only would I recommend it, I would recommend it to people who don't necessarily like science fiction. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and don't like, you, you know, this is, you know, the past, 10 years, almost 20 years at this point, kind of post Marvel and post the big stuff. And you see something with people with superpowers and you go, well, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But, but th- these performances really are at the heart of what makes this film work. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, go All out, right. watch fast color. Uh, check out that film before we tell you what's coming up uh, next week. As we close out our Afrofuturistic April, we invite you all to send us all of your feedback, all of your uh, thoughts, concerns, email us at me mission at gmail.com. That's me mission. M I C H E A U X M I W S I O N. And you can also go to the me mission.com two men, one podcast, every black film ever made where you can register and subscribe to the me mission dispatch, our weekly newsletter, find out what's going on at the me mission and also go to hit swag and check out all the cool designs and t-shirts and whatnot's available to you by our friends at T public. If you like the me mission, why don't you follow us and subscribe and become a follower at me show mission on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as well as on YouTube. The Michelle mission is also a proud member of the podglomerate, the podglomerate.com curated podcast for your listening pleasure. All right. Okie dokie Vince next week on the Michelle mission We shut down. We close out Afrofuturistic April. Where are we going? We are going to the year 2015 and the film Z for Zachariah. We're keeping it post-apocalyptic. We're keeping it desolate. We're going to um, talk about a film with another one of our favorite actors, Chia Wattel Etifor. I'm sorry. Yes. Ejo four. Sorry. So got that next week. And as we uh, wrap it up here on Octavia, April, yes. April is for Afrofuturism. And we promise uh, Nettie next week, we will make sure that we pronounce uh, Mr. Ejo four's name correctly on the show. I mean, we had, well, we, we poke we fun. Will, 
We will endeavor. We <laughs> we will endeavor. We poke fun, but that but it, that was a sincere point, and and it's a point well taken. And we do try to um, practice a, um, proper punct- punctuation of people's names. Um, me myself, I try and uh, I believe that people, you know, if that's your name, then you deserve to hear it said correctly. Absolutely. But as Vince always says... Yes, it is not the hardness of our heart. It is the clumsiness of our tongue. All right. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in party, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again.